Hello, and welcome to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Resnick. This episode is brought to you in part by the Independent Pharmacy Alliance, IPA. IPA is a trade association buying group representing 3,700 plus independent pharmacies, leveraging buying power to help pharmacies access pharmaceuticals at the best prices. IPA now offers a comprehensive third-party help desk, legislative advocacy, and continuing education free of charge to members. Learn more today at ipagroup.org. In this episode of the IPA podcast, we will speak with Thomas D'Angelo. Tom is the former chairman of the Pharmacist Society of the State of New York. Tom, welcome to the IPA podcast. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming back, Tom. I liked having you on before because you always say what's on your mind. There's no mixed messaging with you. We know exactly where you're coming from. And so I really like having you on the show. Before we get started today, can you speak a bit about your professional background and how you became an advocate for independent pharmacy, drug affordability, and PBM reform? Yeah, sure. I'm a graduate of St. John's University, Queens, New York, 1989. I went immediately into home infusion pharmacy where I was a manager at a big home infusion company. And then I bought my own pharmacy, a retail pharmacy in 1991 uh, in Franklin Square, New York. And uh, I was a retail pharmacist at that point, working the bench, making the place operate, as well as starting up a home infusion company within that pharmacy. After a while, I split off the pharmacy from the home infusion company. So I operated both the retail store and the home infusion pharmacy at that time. Recently, within the last 10 years, I also opened a compounding pharmacy and another retail pharmacy in Point Lookout, New York. So I'm well aware of what goes on in all of these different industries. And I did my internship in pharmacy school in a hospital. So I I, I really have a very broad background in pharmacy. The reason I got involved with the PBMs was back in 91, 92, pharmacies were getting reimbursed properly. The PBMs just started raising their ugly head at that point. It started with a couple of companies that started getting contracts based on AWP of drugs, and they slowly whittled that AWP. At first, it was you got paid AWP, which everyone knows is a fictitious number anyway. Then they made it AWP, and you had to join the contract. And once they had all the independent pharmacies scrambling to get just AWP, they started lowering it with the threat of, well, if you don't join, you're going to get kicked out of the network. And if you get kicked out of the network, you're going to lose all these patients. Well, they're right. If you do get kicked out of the network, you do lose the bulk of your patients and it does become a problem. And slowly but surely, AWP became AWP minus five, AWP minus 10, AWP minus 15. Right now, I think we're at AWP minus 21 for some products when most pharmacies buy at AWP minus 19. So they are being reimbursed for brand name drugs below cost for a prescription. The generics are a completely different story. But again, independent pharmacies are being reimbursed at horrible rates at this point. I got involved when I saw how it was going back in probably the late 90s. I started getting back involved with the state organization. And it wasn't until about 2012 that I really became involved with PISNI, which is the Pharmacist Society for the State of New York. And at that point, I became active on the board, worked my way into that, became eventually I was elected president-elect, did president-elect, president-chairman over a three-year course of time, which ended for me last year. I I was timed out at chairman. Once you're chairman, you time out and you're no longer on the board. So I'm no longer on the board of PISNI, but I'm still very involved with it. And I felt that 
we needed to advocate for independent pharmacies, for pharmacists in general, because everything that happens with a pharmacy affects a pharmacist. If the independent pharmacies go out of business, independent pharmacists have less jobs. There's less opportunity. Now they're kind of being railroaded into working for a chain or a hospital or industry. There's no more outlet to be a business person. And, and it affects the whole structure of pharmacy, pay structure, work structure. We've seen it already in the last two years with these um, mandated matrices that the chains put in place to make sure pharmacists have to fill a certain number of prescriptions a day or an hour or a minute in order for them to keep working to the point where we see CVS screens turning red because the pharmacist is falling behind on the amount of prescriptions they're supposed to fill. That's not the way to practice this profession. It's a very difficult profession. There's a lot of safety involved. And when you're being pushed to that limit, mistakes get made and, and, and quality of care suffers. There's no doubt about it. So my intention was to improve that. So Tom, you know, it's interesting. This problem, you saw it starting in 1991. And just to let the listeners know, PBMs, they originally started as just the middleman where they would pay the pharmacy, but they grew into these multi-billion dollar corporations that decide how much the patient pays for the drug, how much pharmacies are reimbursed, pharmacies and pharmacists like yourself. And you saw this problem starting in 1991. Was there a moment at that time or through those years where you had like this aha moment and said, you know what, I got to do something about this? Well, yeah. Very early on, I did have an aha moment. And I, I went to Long Island Pharmacist Society, which was part of PISNI, which is one of the um, areas PISNI operates. And I, what I did was I went there and I said, look, you guys are all worrying about scope of practice issues. And I think they're important. I think pharmacists should improve their scope of practice. And I think it, it's important that we do that. But this mail order problem, these companies are going to eat your lunch for you soon because they are slowly incorporating mail order into, you know, Merck had a mail order program. So the manufacturers were mail ordering their own drugs. And I said, we have to stop this now. And so Merck became Caremark, right? Merck became Caremark, which was the mail order company, and then the PBM, Caremark. And then they now had all of your information. So every time an independent pharmacy fills a prescription, they have to go through this PBM. And all of that information is there. Who's the patient? How old is the patient? Who was the doctor? What is the doctor prescribing? Where does the doctor practice? All of that information was being gathered. And once they had this information, they could then go to insurance companies and say, you know what? We can sell you this product so much cheaper, but you have to only come to us for the product or use our mail order company. And that was the beginning of the end with PBMs because Caremark became very powerful. Now they were basically starting to negotiate with insurance companies. I mean, everyone hates to admit it, but the insurance companies are paying for your medication. They have the right to tell you what to do because they're paying for it. Everyone thinks they have their own rights. There are no rights. It's who's paying for it that has the rights. So Caremark comes along and then the FTC comes along and says, hey, you know what, Merck, you can't own a PBM or you can't have this. So you have to get rid of it. So what do they allow to happen? They allow CVS, the biggest chain pharmacy in the country, buy Caremark. And that was the monster that we can never get rid of now because everyone says it's too big to fail. I disagree. I think if CVS Caremark dropped right now, there would be an influx of independent pharmacies in every neighborhood that would be able, more than be able to make up for the loss of availability to the patient population. But they are a multi, multi-billion dollar corporation whose net income is probably more than 47 of the states in this country and have that much pull. 
and that much power at this point. So yes, we had the aha moments and we let them slip away. And it was a mistake back then. That's an interesting point you're bringing up about CVS because they own a pharmacy benefit manager. They own Aetna, which is one of the largest insurance companies in the country. They're probably the largest PBM pharmacy benefit manager in the country. All this power to make decisions about how much small independent pharmacies can be reimbursed, how much the patient can pay for a drug with really, they haven't been regulated hardly at all over the last few decades. And now fast forward 20, 30 years later, after the Federal Trade Commission has allowed them to monopolize all these different companies, now they're finally looking at it and saying, you know, there's a problem. Drug prices are too high. They're stifling competition because they're putting independent pharmacies out of business. They're increasing drug costs on patients. And now they have to do something. Tom, what do you think? Why do you think it's taken so long for the federal government to kind of wake up and realize that there's a problem? Here? Yeah. Well, what do you think? How much money has CVS Caremark donated to the politicians in this country, to their re-elections. I mean, it's obvious what goes on. They have billions and billions of dollars that they can contribute to election funds, to PACs. It has a way of influencing decisions, right? The FTC is finally getting involved because everyone's screaming, that the constituents are screaming, how come things are so expensive? Why is everything so expensive? Let me give you a little insight into what I think is really is going to happen now. You mentioned Aetna. It's only a matter of time before the physicians are adversely affected. They're already being adversely affected. CVS can literally at this point own your life from a healthcare perspective. They can tell you, you have to go to a mini clinic at a CVS for your healthcare. You have to fill your prescriptions at their pharmacy or their mail order pharmacy. We will not pay for anything that goes outside of this network. We will only let you go to hospitals that are affiliated with Aetna. Anybody who's a member of Aetna should realize that right now they are not in control of their healthcare in any way, shape, or form. That's an offside. I'm just putting that on the side for people to think about. The PBMs now are being scrutinized. They have made themselves very difficult to watch because they fall under federal guidelines as far as ERISA goes, cross state lines. Yes, there was a ruling that ERISA doesn't apply to them, but I can tell you from the New York's point of view, because we didn't act that law, the PBM regulatory laws, the New York state can only look at PBM from the aspect of state-run organizations, Medicaid. Medicare falls under a whole different guideline. That's a federal guideline. So the New York state PBM law, all it does is allow us to look at it from a Medicaid point of view. And most of these companies are licensed or they have their headquarters outside of New York. So we can't really go after them because they're not a New York company. They're a Rhode Island company. Now we have to deal with the Rhode Island problem. It's going to take a federal investigation. It's going to take the FTC to finally stand up and say, you know what? We made a humongous mistake. We should never have allowed these people to merge. This is what's causing the problem right now. These organizations, their best interest is to increase costs of drugs because they get reimbursed based on cost of drugs. And as long as they can manipulate that market, they are making more money every day. You see the lawsuits coming out every day. How much did CVS pay last year in fines? I don't even know. It's in the millions and millions of dollars. It's pocket change to them. They write it off as a cost of doing business and they move on with their merry way, admitting no wrongdoing. They're parasites in the system. 
They do nothing for the patients. They do nothing for the healthcare system. They make a ton of money and they're going to keep doing it until the FTC comes in and says, you must break this up. This is not allowed. You have to go back to being what you were, which is nothing more than a middleman credit card type of processor where the insurance companies go through you to pay the end provider. And that's it. Tom, do you think things have finally hit the fan so hard at this point with drug pricing, stifling a competition? We've heard a lot of good things coming out of the FTC in terms of talk, but what's your gut feeling? Do you think they're going to do something here? You know what? I don't even know what to think anymore you know, between me and you. They should be stopping this. This is exactly what the FTC is, was for, to stop this type of monopolization and this type of conglomeration to the end that it affects people the consumer. And us, the consumer, we're really kind of being railroaded here by these people and it has to be stopped. I, I hope they do something. I know the federal government spends a ton of money on prescription medications for the Part D program. I'm not sure what goes on behind back doors with rebates and giving money back and contributing to PACs and contributing to elections. But I think that if you want this to stop, if you want drug prices to come down, you have to allow free market to take over again. You know, free market will do so many things. It'll drop prices because competition will become more fierce. It'll increase invention. People start looking into other drugs, making new products because that's what they would have to do to survive. They would have to come out with a new product that has a new indication, a new, a new way of uh, treating a disease or a disease state. And I think that's stifled to some degree by what goes on here as well. A drug manufacturer doesn't want to spend billion dollars on a drug that they don't think they're going to have a chance of getting it marketed properly. The only things that are getting marketed right now, if you notice, are things like Munjaro is a perfect example. Munjaro comes out for diabetes. They discover it's great for weight loss. Everybody on the planet wants to be on Munjaro right now. The stuff is expensive as can be, but people are scrambling to get it. Viagra, humongous hit. Why? Because they're marketing to a person's psyche to some degree. I think you start eliminating these barriers and the manufacturers and the drug companies will start investing in research and development again and getting new products that are good for our well-being on the market. Tom, I just want to shift gears a little bit because part of the discussion we're talking about PBMs and you really laid out who they are and what the problem is. But I also want to let the listeners know, many of which are pharmacists and pharmacy owners in New York, why they need to get involved. You've been involved since 1991 with PISNI, and you've been working really hard to try to make real changes in the state of New York. And now there's some huge things that are happening. And I just want the listeners to know that pharmacists and pharmacy owners who are involved like you, they're not just talking about it. They're doing things and they're getting results. And one of those results is that the Medicaid program in New York, they've been losing billions of dollars. In fact, I saw a statistic that's in the last two years alone, Medicaid costs skyrocketed in the state of New York by double digit rates annually. And that's one of the reasons why New York State has decided to transition the pharmacy benefit for Medicaid to fee for service. So that means Medicaid is not going to use these large corporations like CVS, and Optum and others to manage the benefit. They're going to manage the benefit. They're going to cut out that middleman and they're going to deal with the providers like Tom directly in order to save costs. This is a huge move. 
for the state of New York, for independent pharmacy, for patients, for patient access, drug pricing. And it's going to all happen on April 1st of this year, 2023. But this didn't just happen by magic. This took a lot of hard work and effort by people like Tom and the Pharmacy Society of the state of New York. Tom, give us an idea of what it took to actually get something like this done. It's fairly monumental. So what has to happen is you have to do it through a legislative process. So first you have to convince your congressmen, your senators, that there's a problem, right? There's a problem here. We as independent pharmacies are being driven out of business. There's an unfair issue going on. And then convince them that you, as the state of New York, are also being taken advantage of. And you just don't even realize it because you're listening to what the rhetoric of the PBMs is telling you, that we save money without a cost would skyrocket. And that's the only thing they've ever been able to say. They've never been able to say, we help the patients get better outcomes. We help the patients get better access. We help the patients make sure that they are being adherent to their medications. None of that. All they've ever said was, without us, the prices of drugs will skyrocket. The sky is falling every time this comes up. Took us years to show this to understand what was going on and, and that they were actually being taken to cleaners by these PBMs. Pisney paid for a study by three access advisors or 46 Brooklyn at the time. They were one and the same. And we were one of the first states to do this with them. So we kind of launched that career with them. They did a study. It was a limited study. All it took into consideration was generic oral solid medication, just generics, just oral solids. That leaves out brand name drugs, IV medications, liquid medications, creams and ointments, all of the other types of medications that people take. And we showed in that report that New York State was being taken to the cleaners to the tune of $300 million. Wow, $300 million. Just on that. So if you extrapolate that out over all the other prescriptions that are out there, you're looking at a billion dollars, close to it. You know, I can't put a pinpoint on it. I can pinpoint that 300 million and tell you that that is a very small sample of what was going on out there. So we brought that report to them and we said, you need to do your own in-depth report here. Okay, you, you guys have the ability to order an audit on what your drug spend is. We never really got the report of that audit. We had glimpses of what was going on. They kind of kept it close to the vest. But at that point, the talk started changing. We have to carve Medicaid out and go back to fee for service. In order for the state to say that, to come out and say, we want to do this. So we helped them write this, develop the language. We worked with them constantly. In order for them to do this, they had to see a benefit because New York State is not going to make a move that's going to cost them money. So even though the reimbursement to independent pharmacies was going to $10.08 above the cost of the medication. So the reimbursement was then NADAC or, or National Acquisition Drug Cost plus $10.08. That was going to be our reimbursement. Even though the state had to pay us that $10.08, which became kind of a sticking point, we were able to prove that they would still be making money millions of dollars in revenue. They now had control over rebate money. They now had control over formulary. Patients would be able to get whatever drugs they wanted. There was not going to be a restricted formulary. Overall, it was better for the patients. It was better for the pharmacies. It was better for the pharmacists in the state of New York. And New York State did their own audit, and they came to the same conclusion. They don't make decisions like this lightly. So they saw that killing that parasite helped them. 
everything went into place. It was passed. It was signed. It was supposed to take effect two years ago in April. What happened was the special interest groups, the 340B program recipients, got involved because if, if we do implement this, 340B goes by the wayside as far as Medicaid goes in New York State because it's all tied together. They started screaming, jumping up and down. Patients are going to suffer. Again, it's always the sky is falling, right? Patients are going to suffer. Prices are going to go up. Nobody will be able to get their HIV meds. All of these organizations that help people that are low income or indigent, that's all nonsense. The pharmacy program in New York State, the independent pharmacies could step up and take care of this. There's a lot that can go on here. We've proven over the last year that there's a huge amount of money being siphoned off into that program, 340B as well. So getting rid of that, that's yet another parasite in my opinion, right? It's another person who's collecting money to take care of a population of people and there's opportunities for that money to be siphoned off. So it was delayed. They were able to convince the legislators in this state that we needed to delay the implementation for two years. And that passed. I had never seen a law that had been signed into effect and supposed to go into implementation be delayed like that. And I discussed this with our lobby team as well, and they said the same thing. It is so unusual. Most of them had never seen that happen. So now we come along and we say, okay, two years, let's, let's do this. Well, now it goes into effect this April. And we have to, as an organization, stay vigilant, stay on top of this, because those 340B entities are going to try this again. They are going to stand up and start screaming, the sky is falling. And we have to be there to say, no, it's not. You need to put this into effect. It was already signed into law. You can't delay this anymore. You're harming all of the other pharmacies that are out there for the sake of one specific small area that has a real small footprint in this whole thing. Let's get this done and work out the details. That's what we have to do now. And that's why every pharmacist in this state should join this organization because you do money. All you do is money does is help us with our lobbying, with our outreach, with getting the message to the legislators that need to be spoken to so that this can't happen again, because we are going up against some very big opponents here. Every pharmacist in this state right now should be jumping up and down and saying, do not delay this again. We need you to carve this out and prove once and for all that what was going on was a disingenuine situation with the PBMs. Tom, it's really interesting what you were saying. The law got passed but you had these special interests that delayed it. It seems like that the biggest loser in the delay was the state of New York because Medicaid costs skyrocketed in the time that they delayed the law to go fee-for-service by double-digit rates. And if they implemented it when it was supposed to go in two years ago, there would have probably been a huge savings. But as a result, the entire state lost because there were billions of dollars lost in the budget as a result. And I think what you brought up is really important. It's really important for pharmacy owners and pharmacists to know this. The law got passed, but just because the law gets passed doesn't mean that you can drop your guard and not be vigilant anymore because people can still come back, special interest groups, PBMs. They will not stop because this is their bottom line. They've been ripping off patients and pharmacies for decades, and they do not want this cash cow to stop. So just because a law is passed doesn't mean they're all of a sudden going to give up. And what you said was really important. You got to stay vigilant. And that's why pharmacy owners in New York have to join PISNY. A lot of pharmacy owners who never got involved before, Tom, you tell them you got this huge win. It's going to come 
into fruition this year. How do you tell them, look, you've never been involved before, but really now is the best time to get involved. What do you tell them? Why should they get out of the office and get involved in this effort? Well, you know, I tell them it's very important to be involved for many reasons. One, you then are up to date on what's going on. You learn the process, the legislative process, how to get things done. Not everybody is cut out for it. I get it. It's a tremendous amount of voluntary hours. I put in, I can't even tell you how many thousands of hours of voluntary time goes into this. But you can be involved by helping the organization monetarily. Join. Your dues help. It's easier for us to hire PR teams, hire our lobby team, make sure that everyone's getting the job done that needs to get their job done. We have an office that has to run that allows us to do the things that we do. And we're running it on a, on a bare bones situation right now. We need funds to keep that going. We have thousands of pharmacists in the state. If they all join the organization to the tune of about $400 a year, it would make a huge difference to us. Huge. And then if you decide, you know what, I think I have the time. Not every store owner or business owner or pharmacist has the time to put into being a volunteer for this. But some people do. And if you do, and you decide, hey, you know what? I think I want to be involved in this. I want to see what's going on. I want to put my mark on this and make sure that what I think is going on is known. Then by all means, please do. The more ideas and the more varied the experiences of the people involved in this board are, the better it is always, right? If you have more members, you have more to choose from as far as who runs the organization. You have more say in how things get done. It's vital to pharmacy in New York, not just independent pharmacy owners. And I know a lot of people out there in the chains, I work for chains, for CVS, for Walgreens, think, why do I have to join Pisney? They don't do anything for me. Wrong. When the independent pharmacies go out of business, like I said, the chains will be able to then say, hey, you know your $65 an hour job you have? It's now worth $45 an hour because you have nowhere else to go. So there's only so many hospital jobs out there. There's only so many manufacturing jobs out there. And if you want to keep working as a pharmacist and you spend $250,000 on your pharmacy education and you have loans to pay, you know what? Now you're making $45 an hour because you can't go work for Tom's Pharmacy because it's gone. It's out of business. So every pharmacist, whether you're a store owner, you're a chain employee, you're an independent employee, you're a hospital pharmacist, you should be joining this organization because it does nothing but fight for you as a pharmacist. That's why it's the Pharmacist Society of the State of New York and not the Pharmacy Society of the State of New York. There's a big difference. Tom, I want to thank you for joining me today. You provided a lot of valuable information. You know, I always enjoy listening to you speak about the uh, PBM industry and how it's impacted independent pharmacies and patients over the last two decades or more. I think the work that you're doing in the state of New York and have done and are doing currently is really important. And I want to encourage every pharmacy owner in the state of New York that's listening to do what Tom was saying, join PISNI. And for more information and to learn about the Pharmacist Society of the state of New York, go to PSSNY.org. That's PISNI.org. And Tom, thank you again for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. This podcast was made possible by the Independent Pharmacy Alliance and the president and CEO, John Giampolo, who's produced and edited by Zach Stone with music by Marcus Way. For previous and future episodes, check out ipagroup.org. Thank you very much. Bye for now.